This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. You know what it is? It's a ding-dang, dimly lit room, deep from the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, to kick off a brand new week, pregnant with possibilities, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Pete Buttigieg. Say bye-bye to Edge Edge. Here's your Pete Buttigieg statistic of the day. He can run again, Jack, in the year 2060 and still be younger than Bernie and Biden. That's amazing. Holy crap, the great Chinese philosopher. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, think about it. Ha! Um, I suppose on the short list of possible general managers was the end of the war in Afghanistan. I don't know yeah. what... I don't know if they're... What's officially the date for that? I mean, are they counting that when they signed the thing the other day, or... I, I don't know. They're talking like it was the big end yesterday on Face the Nation with uh, our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Um, we'll be talking about that more later. There's a lot of complexities involved. So you got the end of the war in Afghanistan. you got Super Tuesday tomorrow in the Democratic race. got coronavirus news. All exciting stuff to talk about. They got coronavirus in New York, so now it's definitely going to get plenty of news coverage. You want news coverage? Now they got coronavirus in New York. All right. right. Two deaths in America so far? Uh, Yeah, I believe a couple of oldsters in uh, King County, Washington State. I'm wondering, my my kid and her uh, boyfriend live uh, there, more or less, and they were both sick the uh, other day for a few days, respiratory thing. Mm -hmm. I wonder. Could be. It's unlikely, I suppose. But if you go in, like there's a coronavirus in the town I live in, at least one case. If you go in, if I go in with uh, like flu-like symptoms, they check me for that now. They check everybody. I I hear there's a shortage of testing kits. Um, so I'm not sure what the protocol is these days, especially because the case you're referring to uh, was in the hospital in a neighboring county and showed none of it. Did not check the boxes that you checked to even get tested. Turned out to have it, so maybe they need new boxes uh, to check. But I don't actually know what the status of that is. Well, so I was, I was at my donut shop on Friday because I eat a donut pretty much every day at this point in my life. You have a regular donut shop? Yeah. Okay. So I was at my donut shop the other day, and I said, wow, you got a lot of donuts today. He said, yeah, it's super slow because of the coronavirus. I said, really? Wow. Because right across the street is a college campus where they got a uh, a guy in quarantine, him and his roommates, for coronavirus. Mm. It is right across the road, but you wouldn't think. I just, I don't know. Other people aren't like me. I wouldn't not go to my donut shop because there was a coronavirus no, Homer, case in my Homer town. No, Homer J., you wouldn't. Or, that or, wouldn't keep you at home. Or get my oil changed or anything else. I mean, I just, I wouldn't. I haven't adjusted my life in any way whatsoever. The, uh, uh, the I, I feel like there's a little bit of the financial reporting headline generator going there. It is slow today, and I have heard about the coronavirus. Therefore, it yeah, must be slow yeah, because yeah. of the coronavirus. You could be right about that. Because when I keep hearing... Uh, people about uh, reporters is saying to various officials, people are nervous. And I keep thinking, I don't know a single person who's nervous. Not one. You're saying people are nervous, but I don't feel that in my life. I've heard jokes. 
Yeah, I've heard jokes it. too, but I've not heard of anybody who actually seemed to be the least bit nervous. Mm. Um, I don't know. There's plenty of donuts to choose from, though. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a, Boy, all those little racks were full and everything. There's nothing that they're out of. Do you guys have any more Long Johns? Nah, sorry, we're out. Oh, I hate that. No. I gotta spread the I gotta spread the rumor about the coronavirus. Keep my donut shop all stocked up on donuts. Yeah, I heard they have uh, coronavirus in their donuts. Oh, and he's an Asian guy, said, and I'm Asian, so it doesn't help. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> ah. Let's introduce everybody in the squad. The squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. Are you this morning, Michael? Eh, not so good. Uh, Tom Steyer dropped out, and here's the thing. That, I, that's what hurt you? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is I took out a personal loan using my car as collateral mm. to, you know, buy thousands of Steyer, Stomp for Steyer T-shirts and hats, and so Stomp for Steyer. He spent almost three hundred million dollars and got almost nothing out of it. Mm. Right. Close to zip. I got about as many votes as he did. Which I think is good. I think the Bloomberg is going to fail tomorrow, and I think this whole experiment of, I wonder if you can just overwhelm the system with money, turned out to be, you can't. Because Bloomberg, if he finishes the way he's polling tomorrow, he's not going to reach the 15% threshold, in, the, in at least in Texas or California, which means he gets nothing. Right. And so he spent a half a billion dollars and got nothing out of Texas and California? I think that's good news for democracy. I will certainly uh, enter into the thinking of future egotistical billionaires who believe they should be running the country, yeah. You would think. Yeah. Bloomberg's a funny case. Popular, multi-term mayor in New York City, big city, the rest of it. but Which he did uh, spend a gazillion dollars and overwhelmed his empl- uh, opponents. Right. Maybe as mayor you can do that. Good point, yeah. yeah. Just zero charisma. Oh, man, well, he's an electrical engineer. I don't know if you've known many electrical engineers, but charisma is not usually their thing. But man, he's a, he's an eighty year old with with this zero game in terms of like who's with me, right? I mean, none of that, right? There's positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well, fresh off a, a fantastic weekend. Uh, celebrated my uh, brother's birthday. We went to a comedy show. He is uh, actually a leap year child. So I believe technically he was eight yesterday. Awesome. Um, uh, but they still served him alcohol. What's up with that? Did he have to sit in a booster seat? Uh, we ordered him one. I, he refused, though. <laughs> he's, he's very moody when we take him out. Um, uh, but, yeah, and it, it was the first time I'd seen a live stand-up show in a long time, and I was just reminded of how much I am uh, inspired by and love that art form and just, you know, laugh my head off for an hour from just a guy standing on stage talking into his microphone, using his chair as a variety of props throughout the, uh, you know, just kind of for, for various act outs. Uh, J.B. Smooth was the, the guy that I went to go see, uh, most notably from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's uh, Larry David's black friend, quote-unquote, on that show. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, and he, he was just absolutely hilarious. Is he the roommate guy? He rooms with Larry sometimes, or they share a house or something? Uh, it, uh, their relationship is v- strange, depending on which season you happen to yeah, catch. Okay. But, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I watched John Mulaney was the, the host of Saturday Night Live, and he did stand-up for the opening monologue. It was freaking unbelievable. Uh, I watched it twice. It just, what a skill that is. You either got it or you don't. And if you got it, you can make gazillions of dollars. Um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Monday, March 2nd. The year 2020, where Armstrong and getting we approve of this program. Let's begin the show now, officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go, at Mark. Joe Biden, you look different. <laughs> now here's an honest-to-goodness true story based loosely on fake events. The year was 19 Ricky Ticky Tabby. And 
me and Nelson Mandela were palling around South Africa, Green Book style. We have one elephant between us, and who do we run into but the Ebola monkey? And weird story longer, I wrestled that sucker to mercy. Beep, bop, bip. That's how I convinced Mandela that Whitey was okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of John Mulaney, he did the Joe Biden on the opening of Saturday Night <laughs> Like the beauty pageant winner, South Carolina, sash on. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so it turns out that whole I was arrested in South Africa was just completely, uh, um, basically nonsense. It was stretched. It was, it was way out. Well, it was what you said. At one point, somebody said, no, you can't go over there. Yeah, that hey, was pretty much it. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Just wait a minute. Am I under arrest? What? No. <laughs> Just you got to wait a minute. <laughs> uh, anyway, he did win South Carolina huge on Saturday. We'll talk about that. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's outstanding. It's fabulous. It's like the election cycle. It's a never-ending delight. Awesome. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Going to be a big day. Armstrong and Getty. Different reactions on the text line for a level of concern about coronavirus from very, very unconcerned to hilariously and probably disturbedly overconcerned. Stay tuned for that. All right. If I'm an oldster with lung problems, I'm a little concerned. I'm not. But don't you live your life concerned with uh, the flu around when you're an oyster with lung problems? A little extra concerned, though. A little extra. Trying to stay healthy, trying to stretch my time on Earth, trying to, I'm not wolfing down donuts, for instance, in this scenario. I'm just, I'm a healthy person. <laughs> Mailbag. How about the Surgeon General saying, stop buying masks? You don't oh. need a mask. Stop buying masks. We're running out of masks at the hospitals. Well, if they need them at the hospitals, then why uh, don't I need them? Huh? Protecting myself. Hmm. Government's not going to look out for me. I'm doing it. Alvin and Berkeley uh, suggesting for our freedom-loving quote of the day, uh, one of my favorites from one of my favorite people, H.L. Mencken. So naturally, I agreed to it. He said, the urge to save humanity is almost always a false face for the urge to rule it. Power is what all messiahs really seek, not the chance to serve. Amen to that. Do they know that, though? Or do they think they're just being uh, benevolent and kind? There is Helping a... mankind. I get the sense Mike Bloomberg, Bernie Sanders, for instance... Both think they'd just make the world a better place and more people would be happy. I think that's an astute observation. I think there is a particular sort of egotism that my ideas are so good, I would be doing people a favor by really (laughs) taking the reins of power up. That that would be good for them. They should grant me enormous powers for their own good. It's like if you break up with somebody and break their heart, but tell them this is you'll be better off. Yeah, I, I don't need you to tell me that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, let's see. Here's a nice note from Joe in Stockton, a self-proclaimed old guy. He has a number of thoughts, but this was my favorite. Guys, bring back the word claptrap. 
Most people use the word to mean a false or foolish statement, but it actually means a snare, a trap for applause. Claptrap is a phrase which does not commit the speaker but provokes a positive response. My issue is a human right. The children are our future. I will give the people a voice in the legislature. You cannot discuss politics without understanding the clap track. I had no idea. Please clap. That, I had no idea that that's, that's what that meant. I have no uh, reason to think Joe is being dishonest. That that sounds uh, perfectly reasonable. I thought clap trap was just crap, basically. Makes sense, though, what he's saying. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. So it's like a thirst trap online. Yeah. It's something to click on. Something to clap at. Yeah, it's just rabble-rousing, vague, as I often call it, greeting card rhetoric. Huh. Half an inch deep. Here's a photo of a store shelf somewhere in the United States of America. and is the hand soap and sanitizer section. It is completely empty. Because of coronavirus. Yeah, I actually saw uh, somebody posted online at nextdoor.com in between complaints that there's a large cat walking through the front yard and asking for recommendations on a good car wash. Uh, <clears throat> they, they posted that uh, they'd gone to the store, indeed, local pharmacy, and it was completely out of hand sanitizer. Hmm. So it was happening. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's a nice note uh, from Jan, our number one fan in P-Town. I was using uh, Search for your extra-large interviews, and the autocorrect changed Armstrong and Getty to Armstrong and Fatty, LOL. Wow. Joe, my phone seems to know something about your state of health at the moment. Fat. Hey, Jan, don't be piling on. I do. Mm. Oh, man. Judy and I had a late lunch yesterday. And I was cruising. I was fine. I was happy. I was enjoying a glass of wine in the evening. I was prepping for the show this morning. And uh, and, and it got to be around 9.15 at night. And the I haven't had a meal in seven hours kicked in. About a third of a rack of ribs, 9.30 at night. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. I think it was five good-sized pork ribs. With barbecue sauce. There you go. Man, I woke up in the middle of the night, and it, it felt like I'd swallowed the entire pig, and he was fighting to get out of me. <laughs> Yikes. <clears throat> Let's see. Where were I we? had Kentucky Fried Chicken last night, as I tweeted much about. So yeah, I, I saw that. I can't, uh, com- I can't uh, comment on anybody else's eating. Wow, wow, wow. And did once, you have once, a... Once a year, it seems like a good idea. Describe the portion that you enjoyed. Didn't eat very much. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, but that was enough. That was plenty. Oh, boy. Uh, hey, Jack Joe, Barry from Thailand, longtime fag, friend of Armstrong and Getty, hoping to return home in a few weeks, virus permitting. So Tom Steyer spent a quarter of a billion dollars for nothing. That money could have been spent on medical research. Some people just don't know what to do with their money. You know, Barry, my only disagreement is I don't like the the the, the idea that because, <laughs> oh my God, he's got it. He has the coronavirus. I saw a bat fly right out when he did that. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Kentucky Fried Bat is where he ate last night. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. We went to KFC because we were out of uh, bat in a bucket full of gray water. Oh, oh boy. We had this one gal. bat market. One gal sent us an email begging you to stop saying that because every time you (laughs) you do, she gets physically ill and nearly vomits. Um, Stop eating weird foods, China. To return to my point... Uh, I don't like the the attitude that because something failed, it wasn't worth trying. I, I think, and and listen, in the case of Tom Steyer, except you're for in right. the case of Tom Steyer, it, that is the one exception to my rule. I you have to swing and miss 
to get a base hit in life. You just have to. In general, you are absolutely right. Thank you. In the case of billionaires who think they're, they're, they're going to fix the world, yes. oh, give me a break. On the other hand... It generally props up radio and yeah. TV when they do it, so... It's got to be... It's, we, and we've talked about this a lot. It's got to be such a shock to them because they are so used to everybody saying, Great idea! Right. Of course. everything they think of ever. They're such an effective leader in their hedge fund or their, you know, news reporting service, in the case of Bloomberg, that they figure they can lead everybody, uh, you know, in the country. But And the fact that, like, Tom Starr's like, who are you? Get off the stage was a reaction of everybody. Yeah. It's got to be quite shocking. Yeah. Uh, wow, this is a great note from uh, AG in Sacto. We'll see if we can get to that a little bit later. Um, he, she announces uh, a... a Universal law of politics that I thought was very astute. Cool. Maybe we'll hit that in the next segment, among other uh, updates for you. Yeah, we should talk about what happened Saturday in South Carolina. Resetting the race. It's wide open now. Is it? I don't know. I think it's the two old bastards. (laughs) Biden's now the youngest man in the race. Oh, boy. The Armstrong and Getty Show. All those you've been knocked down, counted out, left behind, this is your campaign. Most pundits, and me, think uh, Biden gave the best speech he's ever given. I, I'm sorry, um, point of order. Did, did he mean, like, knocked out physically, like knocked unconscious? I don't think so. Okay. Um, uh, Biden with a rousing speech Saturday after he won South Carolina. Huge! And what does that mean for the race? He now has, if you're counting votes, he's in first place. He's received more votes than anybody else running on the Democratic side this time around. How interesting. Which is wild after all these contests. So Mayor Pete got out. So that whole Mayor Pete won Iowa. Remember all the talk about Iowa for three effing years? No. Mayor Pete wins Iowa, and two weeks later he's out. Right. That's how important it was to him. Off the board. I'll come up and drag you off. Before he even did Super Tuesday, like 24 hours, 36 hours before Super Tuesday. Which is tomorrow. An odd move. Super Tuesday is tomorrow, and Uh uh, the argument is... Well, I'll quote the New York Times. The entire rationale for Mike Bloomberg's candidacy has been destroyed by Joe Biden winning on Saturday. His whole thing for getting in and spending a half a billion dollars is Joe Biden looks like he can't win. Right. Bernie is a disaster, so I'm going to save the day. Well, Joe Biden won. He's now got the most votes out there. If you got out of the race, he could win. But if you're in the race, he won't. You're now doing the opposite of what you wanted to do. By staying in the race, you're making it easier for Bernie. I think he's smart enough to realize that. I think he wants to wait till after Super Tuesday to see if his ego is rewarded with some sort of giant win. Boy, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a wait because that's a lot of delegates tomorrow. Just big picture thing. I think we need to be more encouraging of billionaires being reckless with their money. It can only <laughs> be good for the rest of us. It's certainly you know, good for the radio industry. Hasn't hurt me. Yeah. I got no problem with there it. There was speculation Saturday night on the uh, the MSNBC crowd that Bloomberg needs to pull out now before Super Tuesday because there's so many states and so many delegates. The two biggest states are involved. For, for Biden to have a chance to beat Bernie, Bloomberg needs to get out and throw all his support behind Biden, switch all his a ads. billion dollars saying it, too. Yeah. yeah, switch all of his ads over to Biden and give Biden a chance as opposed to split it up between the two of them. 
and give Bernie a chance. So right. it's interesting. His whole rationale for getting in, he's now doing the opposite. That's what he'll be doing tomorrow is the opposite of what he had hoped to do. Whatever. I don't care. I just think it's interesting. Best laid plans of mice and men, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see. Let me. And yes, Joe Biden, with Pete Buttigieg getting out yesterday, Joe Biden is now the youngest man in the race to be the Democratic nominee. If Bill Clinton jumped in today, he would by far be the youngest person. And again, Mayor Pete runs again in 2060. 2060? He'd be younger than Bernie and Biden. Not a joke. Holy cow. Are you guys trying to make me cry? Because I'm getting real close to crying in front of you guys. Which brings us to the... He could run on the 100-year anniversary of JFK running. (laughs) And he'd be younger than Biden and Bernie. That's incredible. Which brings us to the Joe Biden insult bot, which I discovered over the weekend, which includes such gems as, Enough with the dirty applesauce, you (laughs) yellow-bellied ninny hammer. Go moan to your Meemaw, you iron-deficient deuce of diamonds. You let my Meemaw out of this. Go wrangle some rhubarb, you tomato-stewed spitlicker. I apologize for that. It goes on for pages. Kick rocks, you stink, I need dry-corner hat thief. Oh, Joe. Oh, man. Can you imagine in the general... So, again, I was watching MSNBC on Saturday night, and they were losing their shorts. I've, re- I've really become uh, enamored of this whole process. I find it very entertaining. Hmm. Watching the people on a party that I'm not part of go nuts over the results, is just, I just find it very entertaining. Yes. Um, but anyway, so th- all the talk was, because they're anti-Bernie, right? MSNBC, almost all of their hosts are anti-Bernie. Mm-hmm. Which is curious. And they're losing their mind over, over all this, and they're all mm-hmm. saying... Candidates have to get out so Biden can beat Bernie. Otherwise, if they're all in there, Buttigieg at the time, Bloomberg, Warren, all these people, they need to get out. And they started talking about that process. And there are a couple of people on the on the on the at the table that have been involved in that past in the past. For instance, Nicole Wallace, who was in George Bush's campaign, people who have made those phone calls because Brian Williams said, what's that like? asking other candidates to get out. How does that work? Does the candidate call? Do your campaign managers call their people? As a, And she said there's a lot of pride and shame involved. You, all, you, have to, you have to play to their pride and also the shame they should feel for allowing a candidate that they don't believe in to win. Oh, boy. You have to, you, shame. Exactly. Shame. You have to press those shame. buttons. Shame. So maybe somebody got a hold of Buttigieg and said, you know, if you think... Trump's as bad as you claim, you're helping him get reelected and by you staying be, in. You will be a pariah in the Democratic Party for years to come if you don't do this. Yeah, we'll have I don't to see. I believe that. But. Uh, listen, polling is not useless by any means, but it is of limited usefulness because election after election or, you know, issue after issue, the polling is misleading. It, Which polls? All of them. That's right. Okay. okay. When it actually happens, you realize, wait a minute, those polls were off or whatever. But I will tell you this. Uh, there is a, a fairly prominent poll of uh, Democratic voters in California who said if Pete got out, I think it was 21% would go to Bernie and about 20% would go to Biden. So the assumption that with uh, a little Pete out, it's going to go straight to Biden oh, yeah. in the center lane. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's always... Voters aren't that rational. No, it, it never makes sense the way it seems like it should. It's got way more to do with just kind of a feeling about personality than positions, it would seem. Which is 
insane yeah, in my mind. It's you, weird. You but would it think is. grownups would focus on policy as opposed to who seemed nicest. God, the person you can't explain being in is Elizabeth Warren. She's got a third, two-fourths, and a fifth now? Yeah. What are you doing? But, but she she raises lots of money off of her beating the hell out of Bloomberg as yeah. Saturday Night Live mocked, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so she can stay in the race. Uh, she's huge on the West Coast, which is about to weigh in. Bernie's they, they gonna, love her at UC Berkeley. Bernie's going to walk away with California. Now, Biden could win Texas. So if Biden wins Texas and Bernie wins California tomorrow... It's a full-on race at that point, I think. You got the two biggest states weighing in on the two those two candidates. Everybody else has got to get out of the way. Let the two old men fight it out. It'll be very exciting. Boy, you got this wackadoo socialist and a guy whose best days were 25 years ago. It's a hell of a thing, democracy. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, as- on the Republican side, I like Trump. I think he's going to take it. So as far They're still pretending like Bill Well just doesn't exist. <laughs> so as far as the whole Elizabeth Warren's just running to be Bernie's vice president thing, yesterday she said Bernie Sanders has a thirty year track record that shows he consistently calls for things he fails to get done and consistently opposes things he nevertheless fails to stop. Wow. That doesn't sound like something you'd say if you want to be his vice presidential candidate when you're finishing so far behind that you shouldn't even be in the race. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So who knows go. what's going on there? Uh, I'm I'm for more ugliness, not less. My favorite joke from the Saturday Night Live opening, maybe we have it, you should have grabbed it, is when uh, Larry David's doing his Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. And he's talking about the Purell for your hands. Purell only cures 99.9% of germs. What about the .01%? You need to wash your hands with old-fashioned soap with hot water. You know who is good at that? This is probably going to hurt me. Joseph Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> That was a good joke. Oh, that's hilarious. Regular soap and scalding hot water. <laughs> Joseph Stalin. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> that sounds oh, about right. That is hilarious. Yeah. Man, it's about to get interesting, I think. I don't know. It's a sport for me. Uh, yes, yes. I'm just rooting for it to be still utterly unclear after tomorrow. So, Which will increase the the backstabbery and ugliness. Yeah, so Nate Silver at 538, who's just a math guy, he said uh, currently the mathematics would show him 60% chance that nobody gets the required delegates to get the nomination. Mm. 60% chance, because okay. just the way the math works out. And um, so that means you got all kinds of shenanigans going on at the convention, which we're hoping to be at in Milwaukee in July. Because um, if it if it is a, an old fashioned wrangle fest, which the world has not seen for sixty years, um, who knows how that's going to turn out? Right. Well, and because it hasn't been done for a very long time, the number of old pros who can say, "Listen, here's what we got to do. Here's how it goes. If you who trade that horse for those horses, it is, it'll be fine." There's nobody around. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So everybody's going to be faking it, which again will increase, to my mind, the, the potential for ugliness. Yeah, and the world doesn't work that way anyway. So they, they they'd be they'd be fish out of water anyway. The, the, just the way communication works now, any meeting, everything said by everyone will get tweeted out. Any <laughs> you meeting know, you're in right. any room, leak fest. There's no getting together with a you know five power brokers in a room and keeping your mouth shut and promise for a bridge to five years from now. And it just ain't going to work out that way, I don't think. And also, if Bernie comes in with the most delegates, which is probably going to be the case, and they take it away from him, I think there's actually going to be rioting in the streets. Oh, boy. I can't imagine the Bernie bros not going down without well, a fight. As you know. You're right? opening the door to international anarchy. 
Uh, as you know, I always travel with a gas mask and a nightstick, uh-huh. no matter where I'm going. Oh, yeah. So I'll uh, I'll absolutely be packing them. Spray paint and a truncheon for me. <laughs> but whatever, bandana, whatever you can say. Whatever you need to travel with. All right. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. Costco announced that it will start enforcing a policy that bans non-members from eating in their food courts. So if you're looking for a new low point in your life, try getting dragged out of a Costco food court. Really, take a look at yourself. (laughs) I want to talk about the uh, agreement with the Taliban that we apparently have reached. And uh, what that does or doesn't mean. Yeah. Mike Pompeo was on Face the Nation yesterday talking about it. In his usual, how you dare you ask me that question tone of voice that he takes with most everything. But um, more on that later. Yeah, yeah. I I would not bet my house payment on the success of that deal. I would not bet a car payment. I'm not sure I'd bet my tip money that that's going to go through, but we'll see. I think it's possible that neither would Pompeo or Trump, but they're just like, let's get out of there. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So there are only a couple of things that actually worry me about the United States of America. One is the slide toward socialism. Um because, and it's a little dramatic, but you can vote yourself into socialism, but you have to shoot your way out, is the old uh, saying. And it's true, because once you grant that much power to the government, they will never give it up to redistribute that much wealth. Um, uh, but I have a lot more on that to come. Some really interesting perspectives uh, from folks who lived under socialism and the actual history of the socialist democracies of Northern Europe. They're not going Bernie's way. They're going the opposite way the very places he cites so again stay tuned for that so that's the one thing that worries me the second thing that worries me is our financial economic interdependence with china an Mm, abhorrent gigantic communist regime trade with which has been a pretty big part of our economic growth in the last couple of decades and I'm just, I'm afraid the, the heroin of Chinese trade could be really difficult to uh, to kick if we ever need to. See candidate Mike Bloomberg and his lack of willingness to call them what they are. Right, right, exactly. But China is asshole! That's a good point, sir. But here's this uh, story I came uh, across. Um, it's actually an Australian uh, civil rights type organization. Kind of, I got the feeling that they they felt a little like Amnesty International. But the the headline is Uyghurs for sale. This is the Muslim minority in China. Millions of these folks are are behind the bars of detention centers, re-education camps, gulags, if you will, in China. And it's a it's a hell of a story. Listen to this, would you? The Chinese government has facilitated the mass transfer of Uyghur and other ethnic minority citizens from the far west region of Xinjiang to factories across the country. 
Under conditions that strongly suggest forced labor, Uyghurs are working in factories that are in the supply chains of at least 83 well-known global brands and technology, clothing, and automotive sectors. There are 83 well-known brands that have... uh, Slave labor. Concentration camp labor. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you can call it what you want. Oh, wow. Forced labor, slave labor. Uh, These brands include, according to this uh, organization, Apple... BMW, The Gap, Huawei, Nike, Samsung, there's Sony, someone, there's some, and Volkswagen. There's someone listening right now that's got like every one of those happening. They're in a BMW wearing Nikes on their iPhone in Gap clothes. Right, right. All yep. slave labor products. Yep. That's incredible. Uh, this report estimates that more than 80,000 Uyghurs were transferred out of Xinjiang to work in factories across China between 2017 and 2019. Some of them sent directly from detention camps to the uh, the facilities, the factories. The estimated figure is conservative, and the actual figure is likely to be far higher. It's not hard to imagine how they're able to keep their labor costs down and beat out any American... Uh you know, doing it in the United States. Sure. Because they don't have to pay anybody anything. And I'm guessing their uh, health care is not that good. Well, and uh, the they... HR department probably uh, <laughs> rarely intervenes in sexual harassment lawsuits. Please. Please. Hostile work environments. Listen to this. In factories far away from home, they typically live in segregated dormitories, undergo organized Mandarin and ideological training outside working hours, are subject to constant surveillance, and are forbidden from participating in religious observances. Numerous sources, including government documents, show that transferred workers are assigned minders and have limited freedom of movement. So, yeah, it's it's forced labor factors. Well, who was it? Oh, man, somebody did a great expose six months ago or so of how Chinese prison labor is a huge part of their economy, and they put ads out saying, you know, uh, Joe's Xinjiang prison... With the best fed and hardest working prison laborers. Ooh. And then they subcontract with, uh, you know, companies that then contract with American, uh, you know, companies to manufacture their goods. And so the Americans are kept a couple of steps away and, and probably aren't directly sanctioning forced labor. Sure. But it's there. So you tell uh, yeah, me. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet you're right. If you're, if you're a Nike higher up that, you know, travels back and forth to China and stuff like that, or Apple, or uh, I'll bet you do have to organize your meetings and everything carefully so that you're not too close in contact with the reality of what's going on. I'll bet that's part of the deal. The Chinese do that for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They understand. And you don't ask. The American sensibilities, you know how they are. If, If they ask you if we're using any forced labor, just tell them no. But don't you think on our end we probably just don't ask certain things or ask to see certain... Uh, let me let me tour the the plant where you make these uh, shoelaces. Yeah, yeah. Let me talk to a couple of workers. You probably don't no, ask. No, you don't push it. But listen, if I know what I just said, read, and you know it, and everybody listening knows it, something tells me some of the executives in these companies have heard it too. It you gotta is, lower your ideals of freedom, right. If you want to suck on the warm teat of China. Beautifully said. And so uh, we are so integrated with such a loathsome regime, and not only loathsome, but bent on diminishing America and taking over the world. I just, uh, that concerns me. It seems an awful lot like a heroin addiction, and I just do not know how we decouple. Because reforming China, I mean, it's a lovely idea, but we've been trying for many decades now, and it's not going real well. 
Who knows? History has a funny way of throwing things at you you never expected to see. But um, so it's something that concerns me a little bit. Donald Trump, don't trust China. No, neither do I. On the other <laughs> hand, am I making any sort of fundamental life de- or financial decisions on the basis? No, not really. What are you going to do? Exactly. What are you going to do? Are there any non-China, no China you know, mutual funds out there? I wonder. You put your entire uh, so you know, I'm investments in, and savings I, in. So I'm, inv- uh, I'm not invested in China specifically, but right. I'm invested in companies that, that do the China yeah. slave labor probably. On, yeah. on the other hand, the economy as a whole would, would take it in the shorts if we had to decouple suddenly from China. So, yeah, I'm not sure there's anything you can do about it, but hope. So I uh, got a number of texts about how worried are you about the coronavirus, because just in my own personal life, I have not run into anybody who actually seems to be concerned. We got a number of texts that uh, would uh, point the opposite direction. So maybe we'll hit you with those. want to talk about the deal with the Taliban in Afghanistan. Are you supposed to say Taliban now? Taliban. Just no. You can't no. be at war with somebody for 20 years and then change the way you say the enemy's name right at the end. You can't. You can't do that. You can't. Nazis. 